Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. To have that environment with different voices, different genders, different ethnicities, um, you have to be open to criticism. You have to be open to different ways of doing things. If you don't have humor, you, you can't deal with all that difference going on. Welcome to the Humorology podcast with me, Paul Barros, and my glittering lineup of guests from the worlds of business, sport and entertainment, who are going to share their wisdom and their use of humor. Humorology is the study of how humor can dramatically improve your business success and your life. Humorology puts the fun into business fundamentals, increases the value of your laughing stock, and puts a punchline back into your bottom line. My guest on this edition of the Humorology podcast is a World Cup winning cricketer, broadcaster, motivational speaker, and performance coach. Her passion for using sport for social impact has seen her dedicate herself to charity work that gives young people equal opportunity to play sport and enhance their life prospects. Her life-enhancing enthusiasm, passion for sport and love of laughter have won her a place in the hearts of audiences around the globe. I also suspect that she holds a unique world record for having the most hyphens in her full given name. Ebony Jewell, Cora Lee, Camellia Rosamund Rainford Brent, welcome to the Humorology Podcast. <laughs> I wasn't sure. First of all, thanks, Paul. I wasn't sure if you're going to get that all out. I was testing you. I was testing you, but you passed the test. So my mum always wanted a girl. That was her dream. And she ended up having four kids and three boys first and then a girl so each time she had a child she'd just park some of the names um ended up with this a, a ridiculously long list there were more as well dion randall was another hyphen um so when i came around she started putting them all in and then eventually i think at the uh you know the registry they said look you got to stop like we got to cut out some of those names so that's what i've ended up with uh but yeah my mum my mum definitely had a bit of humor when she gave me that name too Oh, wonderful. Fantastic. So was the young Ebony funny? Was she humorous? Was she cheeky? <laughs> That's a really good question. I don't think I was, actually. Um, you know, just going back, I was maybe quite serious, a little bit intense, a little bit shyer as a kid. 
uh, sport is most probably the thing that brings you out because, you know, everyone talks about banter. Like, that's what the changing room is full of, is taking the mick out of each other. Everybody's got a nickname. So I've most probably grown into somebody who's now much more cheeky. I don't mind winding people up. Um, I get wound up a lot myself. Um, you know, even in the midst of a very intense broadcast, I don't mind bringing a little bit of lightness and humour to it. And definitely in the change room as a player, um, I would say banter was my go-to as a sort of person. So, yeah, something that's grown through the environments I've been part of. So when you talk about banter and you, you talk about sort of dressing rooms and you are a World Cup winner, so you've been in pressure situations. How do you think humour helps that? The team that won the World Cup that I was part of back in 2009, um, and I was with the team for sort of 18 months in the build-up to that win. When I started, we were losing everything. Um, and during that stage, there was no lightness in the atmosphere. We struggled to connect, um, struggled sometimes to have difficult conversations, just all of those sort of things were part of it. Um, and I remember there was a point, it was like a line drawn in the sand by Captain Charlotte Edwards, where we decided to start singing this song. It was... Um, it was by Take That called Never Forget. So the song was just every time we won a game, it's to remember where we came from. But once we started singing the song after each game we won, we were just, we'd take the mick out of each other, how we sung, how we, you know, how bad or good we played. It just sort of started bringing the team together. And we anchored that, you know, about anchoring and no doubt. But we used it as an anchor every time we won for 18 months. And we ended up going on this incredible win, run, and winning a World Cup, well, two World Cups and an Ashes in that whole year, so a World T20 and a 50 over. So there's no doubt, like, bringing all of that jovial aspect, lightening the changing room, maybe making it easier to sometimes tackle difficult conversations is really important. Well, you talk about anchoring, and for our listeners um, who don't know, it's, um, if you think very simply, anchoring is like Pavlov's dog. You know, when mm. you ring the bell, the dog salivates. So it anchors the state you had at the time. Um, how important is that? Because you talk a lot um, as a motivational speaker. How important have is that to business people, you think? I think sometimes in the business world, I've found we get a bit dehumanised sometimes. It's just all about delivering, but forgetting like the humans need to connect and enjoy doing what they're doing and enjoy the atmosphere to continue to perform. So, you know, I have seen it come into the boardroom at times. I've seen it uh, come into the, you know, the, the conversations. I work in a director of women's cricket role and you have to have it of the wise the environment becomes a little bit stale, a little bit static, and everyone's a little bit prickly. And I think just being able to be yourself and be relaxed while performing is gives you sustainability kind of bonus that you wouldn't get otherwise. So what makes you laugh? I love to laugh, actually. I laugh about a bit of everything. I don't mind. I love a good prank and a good wind up. Um, you can never go wrong with a good prank and a wind up. I don't mind being taken the mick out of something I've done badly. Um, you know, for example, I remember uh, our team, Surrey, so I'm director of women's cricket, so I looked after our Surrey Stars. We actually won the championship a couple of years ago, so the women's league. But we, I went into the boardroom after we'd lost like played half of the season, lost all the matches in the row, and it looked like we were just going to end up bottom of the pile. 
And, you know, I went in with a little bit of laughter, actually, because the board were asking what's going on with performance. Um, I didn't mind at that stage being taken the mick out of because it kind of lightened the mood, it lightened the atmosphere, it allowed me to start getting out some of the issues. So I didn't mind everyone sort of wagging the finger, what's going on with your lot and your girls. And then actually what was amazing is we ended up turning it around, went on this incredible one win. So I was able to go back in the boardroom with a bit of a smile and say, hey, come on, guys, you know, you took the mick out of us then. Now what? Where's the champagne type thing? So, um, you know, I don't mind using it as well as a bit of a, if your performance is low, it can take a little bit light mick, as long as, you know, you can handle it and then throw it back with a little bit of spice as well. It's quite fun. <laughs> I love that. Throw it back with a bit of spice. Yeah. So what's the hidden learning in that that story for that people can take away, do you think, that they can use in their everyday lives? Yeah, do you know what? I think the hidden message actually is it's okay to fail. Um, and and I think, you know, that's when things get tense is there's no space to fail or get something slightly wrong. You feel under pressure to just deliver without any sort of flexibility. I think when you know there's a little bit of humour that you could have with a chief executive or with a member of staff or whatever it is, that there's a little bit of flexibility. It's okay, and we don't have to take this over intensely as long as we're learning and we're growing. It's so important to be able to fail. It's so important to be in an environment where um, there's a you know you don't want to ever make anyone feel uncomfortable, but you can have just a little bit of give and take with each other as well. Just allows that environment to be able to fail better and then keep growing and learning very quickly. Well, one of my favourite quotes is um, the quote of there's no such failure, there's only feedback. And it mm. seems like you actually embrace that. Uh, and, I, and one of the things of talking to so many successful people in different fields, and I know you did it on your podcast, um, talk to lots of people, that actually really successful people fail better, don't they? they and more often. I remember I asked you about failure and you were like, no, nope, it's all feedback. And so many people took that message from the podcast. So I've stolen your message as well there, Paul. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> it's, all very your, welcome. it's all your wisdom and insight. Um, <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, the best people are comfortable failing. You know, I, I love our chief executive and our um, chairman at our club, for example, very powerful businessmen have been very successful as a club. But the speed at which they give staff within the organization the opportunity to go out and learn quickly and say, look, let's get something moving. Let's get an idea. Let's get a new commercial product in the market. Let's try something. Um, let's try a new grassroots initiative. Whatever it is, go, fail. We learn and we adapt and move quickly. Um, people who are able to have that humor, pick it up, go again, and live in that sort of environment. It's great. You know, you look at something like Apple. I love the fact that they release, you know, 11.1, 11.2, 11.3, and they give themselves a deadline. And I have no doubt there'll be a lot of humor if they make something and it completely flops, but it's okay because they're on the, the innovation train and you won't innovate if you're, you're nervous, you're static, you're not got an environment of growth and fun and enjoyment. So the, all the best athletes I've come across, you know, in our world of sport at the moment, Ben Stokes, who's an incredible, incredible um, player. And I just saw him come losing his first test match as a captain. And they're asking questions in the interview. He backs himself and he says, we've got to take it. We've got to learn. We've got to grow. And he is not allowed the failure to seep into his skin and over worry him it's just like let's pluck out all the goodness 
having much joy, enjoyment of the process, bit of fun, and let's crack on again. So there's no doubt. And, you know, the podcast I did, Paul, um, in- interviewing incredible people, that was a massive theme across all of them. I think failure is uh, an attitude. And really, the, the people who are successful don't really consider it an obstacle. It's like, great, I failed. I moved forward. I learned something. And I remember my father, God rest his soul, said, I'm not very good at anything except making decisions quickly. And he said, if you get something wrong, you make another decision quickly in order to move forward. And I think that's what you're talking about. And so what does the role of attitude play in all this? I don't know if you've all heard of uh, a lady called Carol Dweck who wrote a book called Growth Mindset. And it's, you know, it's one of the best books you could, could read because I think that's all you want is your environment to want to continually improve, but without the capacity to accept failure and to be able to be in an environment and a culture that allows that to happen, you're not going to grow. Um, you know, I think about my career, my one goal in life as a batter was to get 100 and the amount of times I've walked across that line, Paul, I can tell you day in, day out and got your noughts, you got your 20s, you got your 30s and you have to walk back across the line. The honest truth is you failed. You know, it wasn't a success on paper. But it, if you have the attitude to say, right, I'll get straight back in the nets and work on the next phase of it, that's the key is to having the humour, to having the lightheartedness, to having the perception that it's um, it's a fun process. It's kind of like uncovering and discovering. Uh, that's what you want. That's what you want from your employees. That's what you want from your teams. Um, environments that are just so open and accepting to those sort of conditions that you just keep finding it uh, a way of growing. So, yeah, I, I, I think um, there's a really good concept by Simon Sinek, which talks about the infinite game. Um, and to play in an infinite game, it was all about growth. It's all about um, dynamism and just cracking on, really. Yeah, I, lo- I love the American expression, which is that your attitude de- uh, defines your altitude. In mm. other words, how high you will go. And I think what holds a lot of people back, and that's business leaders, that's people in sport, that's people in show business, is the attitude of... I can't do it. Uh, I won't do it. And winners like yourself always have that. OK, I didn't get 100 today, but guess what? I'm going to work that little bit harder to get 100 next time. Some people are luckily born like my mum, for example, would never let me sort of sit. And if I, if something went wrong and I just wanted to she'd let me have five minutes of being upset and then she'd say, right, come on, let's go again. And I think sometimes you can be in good environments that teach that but sometimes you're not and I think this is why it's so important to get around people who are use the word winning but are winning in your field and like just soak up from them how they're going about it um environment and culture are so important because you could have someone who's got a fixed mindset who's not about growth but has talent but starts to learn from other people around them. An example in our sport, for example, would be a guy called Dom Sibley. This is, you know, you might not be a cricket fan, but he is a talented player, went into this England environment, had a bit of a taste and just lost 12 kilograms in weight. He just dropped it. He, he said he went in there, he looked at how the winners were going about their fitness, their diet, everything. And it made him just being around that environment want to up his game, want to, you know, not stay in that fixed mindset. So I think it's really important the people you're around have that mindset. You can soak up and learn from them um, so quickly. And then that just changes everything you have. 
I know that you're passionate about sort of having a social impact and and changing, especially young people's lives. And uh, is that very important to you to to get them into new environments, whether through sport, so that they can be around, well, for want of a better word, positivity? Yeah, massively. Um, There's so many programs I've worked on. I've worked on disability sport. Um, I've worked on cricket for disadvantage. I just launched a program around um, ACE, which is kids from an African Caribbean background who are not progressing in our sport. And one of the key things we put in there was um, an academy end where they're going to get exposure to role models, to high quality coaches, to um, time with players just to soak it up because they may have the talent, the raw talent, Um, But there might be a stage where they're they're not so uh, willing to put in in some areas or whatever. It would be inspiration from good people who have that winning and learning and growing mindset makes such a difference. You know, all of our programs that reach out, there's always an element of giving them inspirational role models and people that they can learn and grow off. Good coaches who, when you have a bad day, you know, kind of remind you it's okay to have a bad day. We want to see you come back tomorrow with just and have just as much fun. And those messages um, that you have really flow through the community and it kind of can foster really strong clubs and community clubs and environments. So, you know, when you have that, then imagine what you're creating a generation of young people with a, a really good attitude that are going to feed back and maybe give more, more back to their environment. So I'm so passionate about um, social impact work and making a difference to different communities. And I think it's vital that, you know, throughout you get that inspiration that kind of gives you that lift and boost yourself. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more because, as you know, I do a lot of work with, with social impact of getting um, people who are not normally given a chance into the world of media and entertainment. And it seems that same way in sport that the same people keep getting to these places. And I think it's about um, giving, starting them somewhere where they do have role models mm-hmm. and they do actually believe that it is possible. I'm sure that happened to you. It happened to me where I actually saw mm-hmm. people. I thought, oh, this is possible. So how important do you think it is for both all companies, if they want to grow, to actually mm-hmm. get people with different backgrounds and attitudes into uh, positions of power. Yeah, absolutely important. Diversity of thought is like, it's it's incredible. And this is where humour comes in as well, because to have that environment with different voices, different genders, different ethnicities, um, you have to be open to criticism. You have to be open to different ways of doing things. If you don't have humour, you can't deal with all that difference going on but actually you know all the studies show um historically that actually boards which are more diverse are more financially successful um you know that comes down to gender that comes down to ethnicity that comes down to lgbtq you know that how important diversity is and you know i kind of for me it's like it's the only way to go it's the only way to go because if you want to innovate and if you want to be at the forefront and you want to be continually growing you can't think in a one-way train and you can't have an environment that's only about one way and doesn't really challenge itself. One of the most powerful things I love to see in organisations is when like, the, the empowerment comes from below, like people influence up, they set up their own little working groups with ideas and feed it up. Um, things like that, it's like it takes away hierarchy kind of 
um, issues and actually starts to say, let's just all commit to improving this organization this culture you know as a woman sometimes I go into a room as the only woman and you put your hand up and say hey, guys have we considered this and no one's thought of it you know or you know sometimes it could be you know the only person of color in a room and you're thinking how's no one thought of this and you bring it up and it's it's a very valid point um, and that might be only because my experiences might have been different or I've looked at the world in a different lens yeah and I and I think the only way things are going to change quicker is mm. when they understand that this impacts the bottom line. Mm. I always say, who are your audience? You know, if you're not meeting the needs of your audience because you don't understand them, how are you going mm. to increase the bottom line? So I, I think... <laughs> Do you know what I was just going to say? I think, like, when it comes to diversity and opening up your business or your sport or whatever you're offering to wider audiences it's like having a restaurant to me and you've got footfall of all these different people but you're only serving like a segment and it's kind of like why not just get your head around opening it up because the opportunities become endless you start to you know bring yourself more opportunities more ways of selling more ways of engaging more fun to be had it makes no sense to me that you know, you're selling to one segment of the market when you, you you have an opportunity to really open that up and be a little bit more diverse and, and, and open up your stream. So for me, it's a no brainer. It's an absolute no brainer. Is everyone funny, Ebs? <laughs> that is a really good question. There's so many different types of humor, aren't they? Um, I, I enjoy like dry wit humor as well. Um, you know, there's some people I've played with who've got like a sometimes a very dour appearance and they can seem, you know, quite, um, you know, you wouldn't assume they've got humor. And they just give you a little something that sets the whole environment off. And it's um, it, it sometimes makes the humor even better that it's, it's not from the person that you expect it's not coming the way that you expect but it's just a little bit of something in there that makes everybody laugh. I love dry humor I love dry wit but I also think the conditions make a difference if you are around people who love to laugh love to enjoy things love to enjoy the person it does rub off so even those who are on the awkward end of humor can start to to enjoy that process so it's um I think there's some people who are blessed you love your humor Paul I have no doubt about that every time I sit with you we laugh for hours so um you know you're definitely blessed on that that spectrum well well you're very kind but I actually I mean I'm interested in the if you think people can actually learn this stuff Mm. because I I mean fundamentally I think that there is a there is a key that you either you get it and mm. then you build on it. But I'm I'm not sure if you can just create it from nothing. Mm. Mm. I think you I think there's some people who just naturally have a a way about them. And actually those people often are very good in the way that they can lead because it's just a bit charismatic, it's a bit fun, it's a bit jovial. I think there's a bit like anything, you may be born with a certain amount and a nature and nurture kind of um, will will take you as far as it's going to take you. So, you know, it's important, I think, to have in any team, any environment, a couple of really funny people, just naturally funny, um, to, to break down, especially in tense moments. Um, I would always make sure in my team, though, I have a couple of people who... Who, who know how to just lighten the mood and have a bit of fun and show that everything is not overly serious. It just just breaks down the pressure sometimes of the environment. 
I'm really interested in that idea that you would actually build a team with people who could actually have enough humor to change the state of the rest of the team. Because I think business can learn a lot from that in, in the sense that you go, um, I'm mm. wondering if, you know, the great managers of our time, you know, the Sir Clive Woodward, who obviously we both know and have interviewed and worked with, um, but Alex Ferguson, the same, you know, if they were consciously or unconsciously thinking like you, ah, why need a couple of jokers in the pack? A hundred percent. Look, there's no doubt. We've had team selections where you, you're selecting your squad for a season, you're selecting your overseas players, you're weighing up contracts, etc. And you've got two very similar players. You look at their numbers and there's not a huge amount difference. But And I can think of an example, I won't say the name, but there was a definite decision between all the coaching staff that the person who had that ability to bring out the the extra side of the squad wasn't just their skill on the field as what they could deliver, it was how their interaction and their energy impacted the team. And it was massive, especially, you know, when players, sometimes there's nothing worse than a player who's down. Their performance is low, back-to-back -back low scores. They're fearful of, you know, the next stage, are they going to get picked and all that? And they sit down with a player who can make them have a laugh, can make them release some tension and pressure, tell them to free up. And when you see that happen within teams, you realise how important it is to have that skill set so we see it as when we're evaluating who's part of our squad that is a massive factor in determining sometimes two very similar players if you're walking around and you're intense and you're frustrated and that energy is seeping into the team it's no good for anybody so it's really important that that, that team makeup has a balance you need to have a few and a bit of a an ebb and flow in your environment so anyone choosing a team i say it's 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 really important a factor well, and from a psychological standpoint, there's that whole thing of if you want anybody to go into any state, you have to go into that state first. And if you've got too many dementors in your team mm. sucking the life out of it, it's going to <laughs> impact on everyone, isn't it? I've been in the suck, suck the life out of your environment, especially someone who likes to laugh when it is so serious and intense and... God, it's just like a bit drain. It's draining. You think, God, what, what's the point? Why are we here? And it sounds really bad, but you can get in a negative mindset if it's just all a bit, woof. Where someone comes in with a joke and just like calms the environment down, you're like, all right, let's relax. Let's start again. So yeah, there's nothing worse than a overly intense um, environment. It's not. I don't think it's good for anybody to perform over a long period of time. So what would the world be like without humour? Oh, it'd be so dull, Paul. It would be so <laughs> dull. I mean, every single environment has humour and it's vital. It, I think it shows how open the environment is to um, just a bit of flexibility, adaptability, a bit of change to different people. Like it just shows how open the environment is. Um, without humour, God, I... I don't know what the point would be, actually. <laughs> actually, you know, in some ways, I ask that real question. What, what would be the point if you're not enjoying yourself and, and enjoying the atmosphere? 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you find yourself funny? It sounds really sad, but I do laugh at myself. Oh, my God, please, listeners, do not judge me. Do not judge me. I laugh at so many stupid things on my own. Um, I can share jokes as well sometimes with people, and they're like, that's just not funny. But I'm laughing my head off anyway. I don't mind. I love to laugh. I love to um, laugh at myself. I laugh at myself a lot. The ability to laugh at yourself is is important in in your business, but whether that's in the boardroom or on the pitch or in the, in the commentary box, it's important mm. to you laugh at. Uh, do you, you find it easy to just laugh at yourself and be easy with it? Yeah, but you know what that comes down to? I think it sometimes comes down to, like, are we overly attached to our self-image and our ego? So um, the more you're attached to, you know, who I am and the image I have to present and how I have to be seen and, you know, you're rigidly holding on to that image and your ego is kind of like let go a bit and laugh. Like, it's okay um, to be someone who fails, to be someone who gets something wrong, to have done something stupid or to said something stupid, you know, God, the, uh, unfortunately in the world of broadcasting, so much gets um, replayed. I've said some really dumb things on the radio that have been clipped up and played over and over again. And you think you have to laugh because you're like, Oh, it was really dumb. I know. Um, and, and also, you know, the, the audience enjoy it because they know I'm not overly, you know, going to be turned that off. I don't want that to be played, you know, just relax. It's okay. It makes it easier to connect, I think, as well. So laughing, laughing at yourself is so important. I, I laugh at myself a lot, and I don't mind sometimes people taking the mick because life's about just being a little bit freer and a bit funner. Yeah, and and uh, all part of this humorology podcast and the the book and uh, and the the movement, as I like to call it now, the whole humorology movement is about actually humor humanizes people. 
And it, mm. it, it makes them connect more because they go, look, you know, they can see the funny side of themselves. But guess what? We like that. I mean, I always talk about that, that when people do their dating profiles, nobody ever says, I've got a really shit sense of humour. <laughs> I mean, actually, that might, if someone actually wrote that, I might actually be interested. <laughs> you go for that. Is that a joke or are you, uh, yeah. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. We, yeah, it does humanize people, doesn't it? It's, there's nothing better than connect, connecting, right? Um, Do you think people actually laugh enough in the workplace or have we reached a state where everything's like, it's serious, this, don't laugh at business now? When you go into companies to advise them, to motivate them, to inspire them, do you actively go, we've got to actually get more humour in here? Do you know what? It's not something we do. And I think this is why you're mostly on something quite interesting, just because we maybe know it. I think everyone knows, you know, a relaxed, good working culture, fun, enjoyment is vital. But actually, I always feel like the priorities on performance uh, and, and performance is vital. But how you get to performance is, has many layers to it. And I think we are overly focused on drilling down sometimes into the the numbers and the the delivery and the outputs and things like that whereas actually i know if i had a member of staff who's really enjoying themselves they would work that extra hour because it's fun you know i go on long tours um as well with commentating we go around the world i've been at world cups i just came back from australia for women's world cup i've done men's all over the world and when you see the commentary team that you're traveling with you're thinking we're going to be stuck together, you know, hotel to hotel, game to game, commentary box, commentary box. And if if there was just intense, dour people, you'd think, why am I doing this job? Why would I put myself through any of that? Um, but actually, as soon as you look at the team, usually it's made up of a really nice mix of people that you think, do you know, what? I can I can enjoy being away for six weeks on the road, away from family and friends and stuff like that, because it has um, that 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 to it so I think you're right look I don't think we focus enough I don't think we add it in our picture of how we go about creating our environment and team but I think it is something that could easily be put in as a metric are we having enough fun is this enjoyable there's a wonderful statistic that came out of America which said that 70.9 at 70.9 percent of people will change supplier based on one criteria and that criteria is if the new supplier is more fun. <laughs> That's really interesting. That just simply based on more fun. Yes, because if you think about what people and you you just made, by the way, the perfect business case for more humor at work. I, I, I think you put that beautifully. But the the fundamentals are important and having fun if you look at all the statistics of why people change jobs or why people leave jobs they're very rarely at the top to do with um more money mm. they're to do with mm. is it going to be more fun and anybody listening to this podcast who wants to get, sort of get a promotion or get a new job or everything Show the people that you can bring some fun, some humor into uh, the situation. And and I think you will excel and you're more likely to get the job. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, hundred percent. And and you know, even as we're talking, um, I'm not a football fan, but I just saw this morning a clip. Uh, it's Wickham versus Oxford, and I don't know who the guy's name is. Um, Adedeo, isn't it? Yeah, the, I think it is. The really yeah. black, big muscle used guy, to play. We're quite, used to play yeah. for Wimbledon, AFC Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah. Amazing clip. He's so funny. Yeah. He's so funny. So two things were just one, how much he was enjoying the fact that they won. And he was, again, we talked about putting a bit of spice to the naysayers. But then he also said, um, you know, I'll wait till Klopp gives me a WhatsApp call. That's the only one I'm picking up my phone for. And I just saw a clip this afternoon that Klopp actually gave him a video call. And there's a bit of fun there of just them having fun. And it's like, do you know what? Football just got elevated for that moment, right? All the fans are loving it. Jurgen Klopp, you know, again, no ego. Let me give this guy a call. He's called out for it on social. It's just fun. It's just, you know, and that's all about performance. That's about delivering on the field. You know, they have won. They've been promoted. That's one part. But the energy that just gives to everybody, the team, the fans, the football community, it's incredible. And like you say, that was just a little bit of enjoyment behind uh, behind the success. Well, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I only saw the original clip, but I'm going to instantly go out and see Jurgen Klopp doing it. Because how indicative of that is of a great leader who mm. can see the fun and play along with it and join in. And it doesn't actually make his status less. And I think that's what people have to understand. And he can have, he can play. If anything, like you say, it elevates him because he, he, can, he gets the humour and he can have, he can play. The most creative, I'm sorry, I'm getting all, uh, no, whatever get it, you let it I out, speak, let it out, girl, I'm with whenever you. Whenever <laughs> I speak, I get so inspired and so animated. But, you know, when children are playing, they are creative. And what happens now is you go into businesses and then they'd go, right, everybody to the boardroom for a creative <laughs> session. Okay, who's got a very creative idea now? Okay, Ebony, create. <laughs> You know, and it, okay. And it, okay. <laughs> and that's what you know. And really, our natural state is a state of play, mm. and you know, to create, to to be inspired. You know, whether that's a business idea or anything, you have to have that 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 lightness and that element. And I would say that Wickham won mm. the the league. Um, for those of you listening, the, the player Ebony is talking about played for Wickham, was doing the interview after they got up into the championship. Uh, Wickham won partly based on fun and personality. I, that's one thing I think environments don't do enough of. Uh, and that includes our sport environment, actually, is celebrate success. Um, when you do get something right, it's okay as a unit to let your hair down a little bit, to do something a little bit different, to do a bit of team bonding that's unusual, uh, to go out from it, whatever it is, and 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 celebrate it. And one thing I just wanted to back up on what you said about Klopp, a leader who is able to have a bit of humour and have a bit of fun, it humanises them. It straight away, they're fun. They're someone you want to be around. Um, and exactly right. So I'm with you. When you went for it a moment ago in your charge, I was right behind you, Paul. <laughs> oh, sorry. I just oh, I get carried away <laughs> at times. It, it, it's always when we're together, we're going to go. This podcast, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, is going to last eight and a half hours. <laughs> and it's just all laughter, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Um, 
You talked about um, owning your mistakes when you said something. Have you ever taken a joke too far? I've taken jokes too far with people. Um, and you kind of have to have enough intelligence to see or sort of see in the eyes and go, oh, sorry, apologize. You know, I think, you know, this is where the danger is sometimes is like, Sometimes, for example, in the performance world sport, you know, if you get out for naught and you keep nicking it off and, you know, that just means getting out for zero or whatever it is, maybe once or twice there can be a joke with your team and, you know, you make a joke about how they've gone about it and they're just wafting and get it together. But equally, you've got to know when that that is a sensitive issue for somebody and it's actually starting to build into a bit of a stress and you continuing to highlight that is now starting to become like wearing at somebody's confidence. So I think, you know, sometimes bad comments are dressed up in banter. I've been in rooms where sexist comments have been dressed up as banter or racist comments have been dressed up as banter. Um, you know, you really got to be sensitive to that person. That's where good relationships come in. I think when you understand and you know, and you're connecting with people, you know where those lines and boundaries are. Um, and you've got to be open to someone telling you you've crossed the line as well. Important, And this is where emotional intelligence comes in, isn't it? Because there's no rule book. There's no rule book that says, oh, it's okay to say that. And it's not okay to say that. And it's all very prescript and strict. It's about getting to know people at the core of who they are. I think all humour comes from that ability to listen. And what you're talking about, the emotional intelligence side of it, is properly listening to people and knowing that actually that did cross the line mm. slightly but be if you're listening you can pull it back body language is vital as well because i learned a lot um, when i did my nlp course about reading mirroring matching eye eye patterns and things like that which have you know i now pay a little bit more attention so in the past i could have dropped a joke that i thought was funny and they might have gone ha ha but actually, if you read the signs of how their eyes actually flicked or flash, how actually their body language was with you and m matching and mirroring you, and then all of a sudden it's become offish. Uh, for you, in that moment, you can stop and say, "Hold on, have I gone a little bit too far?" Um, I actually this week I was joking with a a friend who we always joke around with each other, and the hair is you know it's a guy, the hair has grown. And I made a joke about the lockdown locks um, and sort of caveman. He sort of, it was just a jovial joke that we often go back and forth. But I just noticed the response wasn't as normal. And I don't know what it was. And I stopped and said, oh, do you know what? Just in case I did, I might have gone too far. I just sensed your interaction was a little bit different there. Um, now, he said, no problem, no problem. But yeah, stay, stay away at the moment. I don't know what the reason was. But it was one that I know that person well enough to realize that we have so much joke we go sometimes over the edges but for that moment for whatever it is i may be a cause some offense and i only knew that not because of what he said because what he said was actually right it was to do with the flick of the eyes and the body language changed and i was like okay and i apologize in that moment i said look i don't know what if i've gone too far but i'm just going to offer an apology because i felt that something about what I said might have been a little bit sensitive, so I apologise. And that means that our friendship stays strong because he realises I'm engaged and I'm listening. You know, we got to work together, so there's nothing worse than causing offence or a joke and then, you know, all of a sudden, now your working environment is getting difficult. So, you know, I, I think that's where the emotional intelligence comes, reading way more than what's said. 
humor stems from understanding from listening from from knowing it and of course we sometimes go too far but if if you actually really want to work on things that will help you to become more humorous if you like it Actually, emotional intelligence, working on the psychology, reading people like, you know, you've worked on that. Those are all things that will help every aspect of your humor and your humanizing effect on people. So I, I think you make a great point. There's got to be stages to introducing that into your culture, into your environment. Um and, that, and maybe that's hard. I don't know. Maybe for a leader who's got 10 million things on their list they're thinking, woof, this is, this is one, how do I do it? I don't even know where to start. No, I, but I think that's what leadership is, is mm. a leader, you know, has the emotional intelligence to know that that is a crucial part mm. of, of the whole thing. I was talking to um, a, a premiership manager and I, we were talking about how important is humour in this and he went, it's vital Mm. They've got to understand that whilst it's important, it's a game. But the reason they have to understand that is I want them in that perfect state where, where they're relaxed enough to play to their maximum ability. Mm. And uh, you know what it's like in professional sport. There, It's the ability to be in a pressure situation, you know, but relaxed and what we call in comedy and you call in sport the zone, it's the same mm. thing. And that's all about how you create the zone. So in a long answer to your question is actually leadership needs to look at how laughter can actually cement those relationships, mm. but also allow people to, to be their best. It's actually a culture that allows people to be themselves as well. So, you know, actually, I've been in environments where it's not okay to be yourself. And, you know, you have to fit an image of what the leader or the coach or the, the captain saying, this is what we want. Um, when you have a good leader, they let people be free to be themselves. That allows them to flow more. Um, an environment which is different and diversity and stuff like that. And so to get to that flow state, to get to those performance states, you need to be being as close to yourself as possible. Um, you need to be relaxed as possible. And if you're, you know, if you're someone like that footballer we just talked about, there's no way having a coach who's going to be cracking the whip saying head down, keep quiet. That's not going to work, is it? That is not going to bring the best out of your players. So you're right. It's, um, it's about the leader creating a good environment. Have you ever gotten yourself out of trouble by using humor i use my smile this sounds really bad i'm giving away a secret i smile a lot um so i could say um you know i could say about your shirt that you know that's a horrific shirt but i say it with a deadpan face and you're <laughs> like hold on whereas i say it with a big smile and <laughs> i think it's a great shirt but i could say you know that's a bit of a dodgy shirt there paul and like actually that becomes a bit of fun between us it's like you know, it's a great shirt, by the way. But I'm just saying, I noticed that putting a smile and a bit of cheek to the same statement completely brings you different engagement with somebody. I'll have you know that I used to be the fashion correspondent for the exchange in Mark. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. You know, anything was said with a bit of a smile and warmth behind it, so, you know, real genuine warmth. Um, I get myself out of a lot. I mean, I've tried to get myself out of one or two tickets. I remember it was in the West Indies not too long ago. I just didn't really understand the roads and I knew I wasn't meant to like turn right at this junction, but I just thought, you know what, got pulled over and I thought, well, it's all right, I'm going to pull out the, the English accent and the smart note. No, it didn't work. I got done. Generally, it does work. There's the old Danish comedian, Victor Borger. Uh, I think I've said this on a podcast before, but Victor Borger used to say that a smile is the shortest distance between two people. And I've always liked that. I do like that. I do like that. It's true. It is very true. Look, we're both smiling. <laughs> That's right. We're mirroring and matching. In business, is it survival of the fittest or survival of the funniest? I think to be have sustainable success over a long period, um, everything has to be geared up to enjoyment and growth and fun. Um, because, you know, I was given a good bit of advice by Alex Stewart, who's one of the greatest players in, in England. He's, you know, had almost more caps than anybody else. He's currently my boss. Um, and I remember him sort of saying to me, it's really important that the, the the mindset of your environment isn't focused on just a goal and winning that moment. Because as soon as you achieve it, everyone switches off. Okay, we've done the job. We've hit that number. We've hit the target. Whereas actually, if the environment is more focused on growth, improvement, fun, that sort of progression, then once you hit the goal, it's like, okay, great. What's next? Let's grow again. Let's have some more fun. And it becomes a, a continuous journey without an endpoint. I know, actually, I went about a lot of the World Cup. I'll take an example of us. The World Cup where we won World Cup, World T20 and Ashes all in one year. We were so overly engineered and focused on winning the World Cup. We worked together for two two years to do it. And then kind of the fun fell out after we did and we were so goal focused that we then ended up losing to some really weak teams for a long time. It took the team maybe a year to get back to it uh, because we actually after did it, it was just like, I don't know, we forgot. It was it was like we became focused on the wrong things. Um, and that was a big learning for me as well, is that long term sustainable success is more fun, more enjoyment, more growth. Um, and I think it's as simple as that. We're now coming to the section of the podcast near the end, which I call quick fire questions. Oh, dear. Here uh, we go. <laughs> and I always say this like I've got a jingle, but I haven't. Oh, so I was waiting for if, No. And I can. No. Well, I'm looking in the background and I'm and we're both drummers and we're both guitarists. Yeah. So <laughs> between us, we can come up with a quick fire jingle. Uh, <laughs> quick fire questions. There we go. You'll do the singing, I'll do the playing. <laughs> and by the way, you're a very good player. I've seen your uh, videos on on YouTube and uh, the, on, on yeah. social media. You 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 groove. Oh, I enjoy, I enjoy. I try and move. I don't know what comes out, but it is so much fun, right? I've seen your stuff, you and Ainsley getting down the Clipso yeah, twins. I, yeah, I mean, this, uh, which one of us is funkier? Do you think? You both got it. You've both got it. <laughs> <laughs> you see how to get on in everything with diplomacy <laughs> and a smile <laughs> yeah yeah it's you don't tell anything no I'm joking. <laughs> no i'll clip this bit and just send uh, send it to him in a moment <laughs> um right so i'm ready quick fire questions uh 
Who's the funniest business person you've met? Oh, that's a really good question. Our chairman at Surrey, uh, his name's Richard Thompson. He is, you know, he's an amazing, he uh, owns MNC Saatchi Merlin, a talent agency. He's built loads of big companies. He knows how to have fun. And as soon as you you do something well, you know he's saying, right, let's celebrate, let's crack open the champagne. If we have to do the conga to celebrate, we will. He's an inspirational leader in that sense. So not only does he deliver at every level, um, I would also say he knows how to enjoy life and have fun and the staff and the people around him feel that too. What book makes you laugh? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't think I read enough fun books, actually. I don't read fun books. I, le- I read really intense psychology ones. You've, you've changed my Me life to go read a fun one. Okay, uh, actually, I, I, I would recommend, because I'm right in the middle of it, Miles Jupp's book, Fever oh, yeah. in the Heat which is about him blagging his way as uh, a journalist onto the uh, England-India tour in India. Oh, no way. Okay, that's... Yeah. Okay, do you know what? I, I, uh, as a thank you for being on the podcast, I'm going to send it to you. Amazing. Um, I'm all over that. I'll have a good read and tell you about no, my life. It's a, it's a really good book, especially if, if you're on tour. But it, it, he, he writes very, very well. And actually, if you like the audio book, he, uh, I don't know why I'm selling his book when we've got loads <laughs> of stuff to sell. Um, but it, it really is good. I think you'll like that. What film makes you laugh? Oh, I laugh at so much comedy. Chris Rock, anything with Chris Rock, anything with Eddie Murphy. Um, I love Jennifer Aniston. She always brings a bit of just fun to everything she does. So I I watch a lot of comedy um, stand up as well. Okay, with that in mind, uh, well, actually, no, what word makes you laugh? Oh, my gosh, I don't know. Is there one word that corpses you in the box? Does it, you know, oh. the, the, the classic when he couldn't get his leg over? Oh, um, yeah. Commentary yeah, I thing. love that. Is, yeah, well, I don't, there's a guy called Daniel Norcross um, who I just I know this is meant to be quick, but he pretty much he went to Oxford and he pretty much swallowed the Oxford Dictionary. So every time we're on and he brings up these really uh, over engineered words, I just sit there laughing, going, I have no clue what that means. So. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say this is a set word, but whenever I sit with him, I just laugh. He just brings out every long word that exists in the whole dictionary, and I, I just laugh my head off. <laughs> okay, on a slightly serious note, what's not funny? Well, right now in the world, there's a lot of not funny. Uh, the pandemic, the Black Lives Matter movement, they're very intense. So, yeah, I maybe haven't found any humour in those yet. I don't know if there will be. I don't know if it's even possible to have. So that's not funny. Would you rather be considered clever or funny? <gasps> oh, that's a really good question. I think in the past I would have said more intelligence because I would have been more trying to put a image of who I was up. And I think as I've got older, I'm like, doesn't matter how people perceive you. Actually, I want to be more fun to be around. So, yeah, I'll take the second. But actually, it takes a bit of confidence to take the second, I think. Um, yeah, that you don't have to prove your intelligence, that you're comfortable just being you. Yeah, well, actually, and I think that it, uh, you are. Here's my theory, is that people who are funny are automatically considered to be intelligent. 
Do you think? I'm not sure. I think sometimes people see you as a joker and um, don't consider that you have that that thought process behind. But well, having having you know worked with you know hundreds of stand up comedians, mm. I, the, to be a stand up, to be funny, I think you have to be clever. I mm. you know I think the funniest the the funniest people are the ones who can put disparate thoughts together. And that takes a certain intelligence to uh, yeah. be able to do that. Um, All right. Well, every time I tell a joke, um, I'm hoping that it raises my intelligence now, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does. Like, it, do I look intelligent now, apparently? <laughs> it pushes both hemispheres of the brain together. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, Oh, look at the intelligence there. Oh, it's just um, flowing. It's just flowing. <laughs> it's just flowing. And finally, um, desert island gags. You can only take one joke to a desert island. What would it be? Oh, it's just got to be all the knock-knock jokes. Like, they're so, you know, any knock-knock joke. And I don't, I can't think of one specifically, but every time I hear knock-knock, I just think, this is so cheesy, I know I'm going to laugh. Like, it's basic. So I would not mind anyone taking a whole little book of knock-knock jokes, and that would keep me going. Well, your humour... Uh, has kept us going on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing it with us today. Ebony Redford Brent, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Paul. I really enjoyed it. The Humorology podcast was hosted by Paul Barros and produced by Simon Banks. Music by Steve Hayworth, creative direction by Les Hughes and additional research by Helen Sykes. Please remember to subscribe, like and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Big Sky production. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.